All right, welcome back to The Good, The Bad, and The Batch. We're looking at episode one, Aftermath, and this is part two, where we're diving right into character and theme analysis and talking about our favorite design elements. <laughs> Without further ado, let's get into part two. talk about characters um i think the first thing we should do <laughs> is uh we should talk about where we saw them in season seven um and how we're seeing them now because uh, they have changed a lot yeah absolutely this was um interesting when we were rewatching these episodes the other day because i feel like in the back of my head i always remembered i'm like oh yeah they're a little bit different in the clone Wars season seven episodes mm-hmm. um they are substantially different in like really really specific ways um like truly like their attitudes and like their interesting characterization is like i i don't know it's again i mean i think this boils down to them being side characters pretty much only in i mean they're like a big part of these episodes but like they're not the main characters right Uh, rex is still yeah rex anakin still main characters there um but yeah even like what surprised me the most honestly was like hunter's voice yeah he sounds like he needs a lozenge and he's really quiet like he fucked his voice or something it's always surprising to me when we go back and watch those episodes how hard for me at least it is to differentiate who's talking sometimes yeah they also sound Um, extremely similar like maybe sans wrecker but yeah uh, and like even I guess kind of Hunter, but like Tech and Crosshair will weirdly sound really similar, or Tech will get like less British he's and very... more like New Zealandy. <laughs> yeah, he's much less British, and he has less of a peculiar way of talking. Yeah, you hear some of the like longer S's in Crosshair's uh, words. Like he still sort of sounds like a snake, Snake Man. Yeah, but it wasn't full. Le- I don't he, know. It's like fully not what we. He getting. sounds like a snake in yeah they and they ended up it's interesting that like at least to my knowledge they did treat these episodes as like you know quote-unquote backdoor pilot right for bad batch where like Mm -hmm. they introduced these characters so they could have a show with them Mm -hmm. um so feasibly they've had they had the understandings of these characters going into those season seven episodes i mean they're not completely different from what we get in bad batch but it it just seems that like because they're main characters now they've kind of refined it a little bit like like wrecker in personality is a little bit different yeah is um, um he's kind of the like cool guy jock kind of person to yeah. me i mean i guess again like you said it it is kind of that they've been sequestered to side characters and, and it could really be like we're seeing them in a certain way because that's kind of like how rex and and the regs the gregs are seeing them <laughs> um but uh it, well, also they had to be different enough like they kind of it's almost like they had to become a little bit of caricatures yeah in order to stand out so far from the regs because they are interacting with like at least four regs here yeah it's interesting that um it, it it's almost like because we've characterized the regs so much like and specifically these regs that are in those season seven episodes because it's it's rex and cody and kicks and jesse right where mm-hmm. we've all seen kind of a lot mm-hmm. um it, and it's like they had to do the like yes clones are individuals but these guys have to be like buck fucking wild in order to really stand out from like the clones that we know to be kind of like fun and funky and and have sort of like wily personalities um yeah that being said they do kind of 
<laughs> play off in those episodes a little bit like assholes, um, <laughs> which I think is really funny and very weird flavor. <laughs> it's really funny going from that because like they, I wouldn't say they're assholes, but they seem very like they leaned really hard on this aspect of like, oh, we don't work with Ray. Yeah, in that, in that way, not like they're like being horribly mean to people. <laughs> like they, bullying they are people. a little bit like, but like because Rex picks a fight, or like you know, they they kind of like get into fights with yeah. the regs. But like, but I love I love this transition of that where they're like. Oh, we don't work with regs they ever, and then to the bad batch where they're like we're bullied constantly yeah exactly <laughs> it's like i wonder if that was truly just like a point of view difference i mean that um, makes it, i think it is a point of view but because right? like, it makes sense that they would interact with regs that way if they are being bullied but that it's much so wild to see them be like have such like like bad main character energy where they're like side <laughs> characters who think they're the main yeah, exactly. characters they think they're, they're the just main like character. we're not like other clones and you're like okay um and then and to get to Bad Batch and have them be these like wonderfully faceted like individual yeah. characters who are like really nice. <laughs> it's like I don't know how you guys didn't get along with the regs because like all of you are just like good boys for the most point. Well, here's the thing: part. I think they they had seem to have no beef with Cody because Cody's the only one until they meet Rex um, that they interact that with. they knew about, yeah. right? And they seem to have like a pretty okay relationship with Cody. Obviously, like Rex, I think we get along with anyone. So that's true. After some he's... some struggles, he's just a nice boy. Yeah, he's a nice young man. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I think after he they they kind of win the the I think it's Rex and and Jesse that that stay. stay. Yeah. Um, they kind of win their like favor. They're like, okay, you're chill. Um, not to say that they're like insufferable or anything. They're still very enjoyable in these episodes. Yeah, no, but it's just really just very funny different. that they they do they are the same, but they feel very different. And again, it is kind of like I, I'm glad they almost like not necessarily went back to the drawing board with them, but seemed to like take more time to refine them for them to be main characters. Well, they didn't have to be so caricatured, like because no. they they are the main characters. The whole show is built around them. All the other like behind the scenes characters or background characters in Bad Batch serve to perpetuate that like these are the main characters so they don't have to lean quite so hard they can be a little more delicate with the characterization that they give them i guess uh, specifically it's really funny to me that they their personalities are quite caricatured in those you know season seven episodes but it's the voices for me right because i think that always strikes me as being so odd is that i'm like who just spoke like i don't even know right now yeah sometimes they just sound a little too similar if you've only seen the season seven episodes i imagine that it's like oh okay fine whatever but now going from bad batch back to season seven i'm like sorry what yeah Yeah. they're all like just a little bit it's like them to the left and then like all three of their voices sound really similar sometimes i i think it's funny that they didn't can they didn't carry on hunter's like almost a whisper i mean i know why but like he sounds like he's ill (laughs) he sounds like he went to a concert the previous night and like yelled too loud so now he's like i have to be quiet with my i have to be gentle with my voice he has a very very low voice i think just because it doesn't I, i wonder if it's difficult to like emote well with that low of a register constantly oh you mean why they changed yeah the voice because I, I feel like he has like a lot of like i guess range essentially and like how he can talk i wonder if it's like the he's a the whispering he, is difficult you know it probably is it's also that like he is um yeah he's a lot more animated and kind of um like reactive i think in 
the bad batch he, i think they kind of gave him originally this personality in season seven of just like he's the quiet like he doesn't really emote like yeah like quiet and calculating and like sort of the like tough silent broody leader yeah exactly yeah. which like he's still very broody but like we get to see it in different ways um yeah i mean I again enjoy. they just like did more with their characters because it's a show instead they of could. just like yeah. you know a couple episodes of someone else anyway yeah. so they've definitely changed as we've established yeah. let's talk about the the people they now are in this let's pilot. talk about the big two uh, the big two we've already talked about them being foils but let's talk about hunter and crosshair do we want to quickly because we've mentioned the term foils a lot oh yeah um do we want to quickly run through what so, that means if you, if they're you foils, don't know <laughs> what are foils uh well it's basically a literary device where you set up one character that uh, versus another one that's supposed to kind of accentuate or draw attention to different qualities of each of those characters um a lot of the times they're like very opposite um and so you like in order to establish someone's cruelness you might foil them with a a very innocent character or something like that contrast yeah um but we do see these two characters being set up kind of as these like pillars uh in the group representing one thing or another um obviously hunter is the one who represents sort of like the heart of the group, the moral side of everyone. He's the leader. Then you have Crosshair, who is kind of the um I, I don't want to say rebel. What's another word? It's I, I upstart, I suppose. Yeah, I think upstart's probably a better word. I think that's what I was thinking of. Um, but he almost in every turn in this episode is like constantly arguing with Hunter, right? So we, we get to see these two side by side and they really draw on each other's character traits they don't have to get as creative with characterizing hunter as, as the good the good upstanding leader of the group and characterizing crosshair as you know the kind of mouthy upstart that he's becoming yeah the way i like to think about it too is sort of like equal and opposite essentially in that mm-hmm. you know these characters are set up to be representative of opposite things and by contrast they sort of like inform each other's characters yeah. um yeah, it, it's interesting to see just, like, the difference because I feel like what also is is sort of, like, accentuated in their differences is that, like, in this, Hunter and, by extension, kind of the rest of the batch is, is questioning, like, you know, what's going on, their place in all of it, and Crosshair is the opposite, right? He is Oh, I just thought of another sure. sort, of, yes. uh, sort of visual aid. What visual aid? Uh, just the idea that they're called foils and, like, foil is a somewhat m- mirrored surface. Mm, interesting. That's my thought. I love that. They're I, a bit like mirrors in a way. Yeah. If if you had like a like a negative mirror, basically. That's a. I like that. Um, Thank you. <laughs> I like anything that's confusing. Yeah. I was describing to you earlier, like my visual for foils is like two lines that are like spiraling mm-hmm. o- oppositely into mm-hmm. each other. Um, I guess suppose yeah, like like a spiral, like maybe like a yin and yang sort of a situation, right? They're they're opposites, but they're like spiraling into each other, like a photo negative, yeah, or like a mirror that you see yourself. I mean, I guess you do see yourself the opposite. Um, like it's uh, it it's mirrored. It's, it's the same, but it's inversed, right? <laughs> inversed, yeah. yeah, inverted, inverse, that kind of thing. That's I, an <laughs> easy way to remember. Foil. I do just like I I never knew why it was. Fo- fo- the term foil and i just like in my brain came up with like a slew of other reasons well in my research it said the literary term is named after an old jewelry trick of setting a gem on a foil base to enhance its shine a- another thing that's an interesting contrast between them not just that like hunter is very sort of loyal and does represent like the goodness essentially in a way he's i would say more moralness right mm-hmm. uh and crosshair is sort of like becoming sort of 
immoral. He's just really villain coded. Um, but like uh, another thing that they are contrasted in is that Crosshair is very sure in his path, right? And Hunter is, and by extension, the rest of the batch, very questioning. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It's an interesting, I don't know, additional thing to see, especially in that scene with Saw, which obviously is, I feel like, kind of... There's a lot of like very punchy moments in this episode, mm-hmm. which is, again, wild. It's 75 minutes. But yeah, I don't know. I, I like... Like we talked about this in, you know, in part one of just like the conversation with Saw can mean like eight different things depending on like whose point of view you're looking at it from. And there like, are layers, baby. Yeah. And it's it's just like a really, I don't know, it's fun. It's nice to see in a show. Again, I feel like maybe we haven't mentioned this a lot, but like the concept that like this show for sure for people who like don't really know it is probably branded as a, as a children's show. Mm-hmm. Um, and that like how I feel like it's such a treat to get so much more out of a show than like what people think just because it's animated. Right. Um, so anyway, we have, as we talked about, so we have Hunter and Crosshair where foils to each other, but we also have sort of a tertiary, a third member. Well, we're um, calling part of the foil triumvirate. A favorite little term. Because it's Omega. Surprise. Um, <laughs> <laughs> spoiler. <laughs> no. Um, yeah, it's Omega. And she, she sort of she sort of um, in, infers both of their characters um, a bit in an opposite way. She's the reason that they go back to Kamino, um, which is Hunter's decision. Crosshair does not want to. I mean, he, he wants to go back to Kamino, but he doesn't want to go back to Kamino for Omega. Yeah. Um, and then we see we have that really good conversation between Omega and Crosshair in their when they're in jail, and um, like I think Hunter listens to her and is like, "Okay, I hear you," and I'm like, you know, engaging with you. And I think Crosshair is very much like the opposite, which like again, she is sort of the mirror to these two characters, and that she um, accentuates their choices that they're making their characterizations um because he's very uh, crosshair is very obstinate with her he he won't really engage with her and um yeah he just doesn't it's it's very clear how different she or they interact with omega uh each of them yeah and i do really like i mean we mentioned this i think at the tail end of the previous part but um i i do really like thinking of omega as sort of like the one thing that it kind of reaches out to both of them Mm -hmm. um that she is like in kind of representing like hope and and wonder and like all of these like good sort of new pure things like is able to sort of like reach across the divide between these two people um even though it doesn't always it's not always successful right Mm -hmm. um or it has not been successful in these this episode um but yeah, I don't know. It's really interesting. It's really interesting seeing like specifically in that scene where they're in, in jail where she's talking to him. And oh, we've talked about this at some point. The character animation, though, on Crosshair in, in that particular part is really fascinating uh, because he starts very hardened. And like as she continues, he looks softened, almost like he's going to say something like as though like she has said something correctly and has gotten to him in a way where he's like maybe thinking about opening up like there's some part of him that's like just a little bit unlocked and then like the that is immediately broken by those guards that come in to take him away Um, like if they hadn't come in i wonder if he would have if things would have sneered at her if he would have continued his sort of like well you don't know anything you're just a child or or if he would have truly looked at her and been like maybe you know something that yeah the rest of them don't yeah it's interesting how in like really really small ways we're seeing like i I like that (laughs) essentially i like that in this episode 
it's not just like an immediate like oh crosshair is the bad guy yeah immediately right we we're seeing these like little moments where it almost is like people are breaking his trust mm-hmm. or like from his perspective that's what he's seeing yeah. and like you know just like it's interesting if there was like an alternate path through this right where mm-hmm. maybe omega does get him to open up and like things could have been different but like I-, I like that there are he still even in something so small as character animation has what seems to be like doubt or like facets to him like it takes time to get to the place where he we see him at the end of the episode yeah precisely i have a thought somewhat mm-hmm. regarding that so we we are introduced to tarkin who we at this point is our our primary villain he's yeah. you know the empire sort of incarnate um he does not hang on as our primary villain in a couple episodes we're gonna see the introduction of our actual primary villain throughout this series i always was curious why they didn't just like immediately Mm -hmm. introduce that character into this first episode but i'm kind of realizing that um because they're setting up crosshair as a secondary villain um they kind of needed you to compare him with someone who is is truly like the empire and evil incarnate Mm -hmm. which would be tarkin yeah the primary villain that we end up seeing in a couple episodes is not um i would say as hardened as tarkin as like ruthless as tarkin yeah but we kind of don't need him to be because they've spent this episode and i believe the next episode setting up crosshair um as a secondary with this like the worst person ever yeah um which like you can garner a little bit of sympathy for crosshair because of that i think yeah um because he's opposite such a awful person it adds sort of to the i I suppose complexity of the situation yeah um like not not to paint crosshair as a full victim he's not no he's fully not he's a secondary villain Uh, (laughs) but you there is supposed to be some pity for him here yeah i mean he's still essentially and kind of like what i was saying before i like that we're getting to see the change right so Mm -hmm. he still he still appears to us as human as opposed to and i mean that sort of in the emotional way um as opposed to tarkin who has sort of lost his humanity i mean we've seen him so much too obviously uh tarkin that is um and he does and and can you know as the series rolls on become sort of the boogeyman right uh, the he, sort of the empire's he almost proxy. has no dimensions other than yeah. villain whereas crosshair he's still a secondary villain but we he has a lot of dimensions he has a lot of facets there's yeah. a lot of it's almost like in having tarkin be sort of like single faceted just mm-hmm. like inherently evil at this point we get it, it lets us have room to explore crosshair exactly change. That, that's what yeah. i'm saying yeah they're they are sort of foils to each other in that way um <laughs> really they're it's, reflective it's, of each other or to each other in that way it's I good suppose. writing <laughs> well yes <laughs> i guess that's just sort of what it boils down to um yeah and it's really <laughs> it's just really interesting anyway i think we started talking about omega and then we stopped talking <laughs> well, about well we were omega. talking about her as she infers the characters of crosshair and hunter so oh um, yes that's sort of related in that tarkin infers crosshair's, crosshair's character. character yeah omega does I mean, it would be wild to say that she's sort of the Tarkin to Hunter, um, but <laughs> I, I feel like she does kind of do a similar thing where she does inform his character and his change. Yeah, maybe and, like, not in the is, same exact way. No, but, yeah. but she is kind of like, I feel like from the moment we see her, wholly good. And yes. like, she is supposed to be like that. She is. I mean, she's, yeah, she's a child. She has that wonderment and innocence about her. Um, and that's something that I, the Batch really respects. And like, you can see it like it, it doesn't feel like something that crosshair respects in no. that little conversation that he has with her um and it's but it's definitely something that hunter respects yeah and i, I like that i mean uh we kind of 
you know, Hunter, as the members of the batch that we see going through this series, like, you know, and that we have in this episode, like Hunter is the one that Omega is informing the most, obviously, Mm -hmm. because, you know, the the other members, Sans Crosshair, very much take a backseat in this episode Um, for reason, which is this, we had to set up their relationship, Hunter and Omega's Mm -hmm. relationship and Hunter and Crosshair's relationship. Um, But yeah, it's interesting to see Hunter sort of like, quickly step through the motions of like how to treat her but always treats her with respect always takes her opinion um into account and never brushes her off for being just sort of a, a child but i don't know for the most part like I, I like that he gets down onto her level like yeah. we really get to see that like she is a huge catalyst in his you know life mm-hmm. specifically in his change mm-hmm. and like obviously we'll get into themes but like change and choice and all of these things are like big factors right. in these stories right so it's i mean she really is sort of the catalyst for all of this i mean you know in sort of the plot points and also emotionally for their characters i do like that um she, i mean she is clearly the representation of like good innocence hope yeah. specifically um but i do like that you still see her struggle with things you still see her express like she i, I guess by that i'm saying she's like a very good whole character yeah like they didn't just relegate her to um a symbol or a motif like she is a full character yeah um which i think a lot of people can can intend to do with women and children Mm -hmm. um so that's refreshing to see yeah again it's (laughs) sad that it's a treat but it is a treat um i i do love that she is first seen concurrently when um palpatine is expressing yeah he is uh, doing his speech about the empire um i just think that that's a really interesting um yeah thing i also really like that in that scene it's like the i mean that's probably why hunter notices her she's like the it's the exact last thing you would expect to see in like a emperor an emperor addressing his military Mm -hmm. right is this like little child and again i love that like she's i she's so small she's so like round and sweet looking and like next to the kaminoans who are very like intimidating and sort of like long and presence um I don't know I just like I really love the sort of contrast of these things she she is made so I almost said special but like her character is really sweet because of all of these contrasts we find her in and that she is still retaining her I don't know omega-ness her sweetness her Mm -hmm. kindness Mm -hmm. and like will continue to do that yeah I mean like yeah she wasn't representative of hope simply because she's never been anywhere other than Camino she's not not unspoiled yeah Uh, like she we see her in the rest of the series continue to learn and change and grow mm -hmm. and that does not uh ruin her innocence or anything but she continues to be this like bastion of like um just like hope of hope and goodness in the batch itself which I mean they're not bad people but they're like they needed sort of this guiding light um and i guess it's less of like the guiding light in in that like oh she's our leader let's follow her and more that like this is what we this is a this is why we're doing what we're doing for her this is who we're fighting for for and what we're fighting for for. the future for yeah the hope of all of us and like i mean i also really love i mean i think we talked about this but like omega being sort of our proxy in this universe um i feel like i've again talked about this like a hundred thousand times at this point but i do like the point a lot that like especially in star wars animated television programs um wow i said that like a very (laughs) elderly person television programs um tv shows uh we have a a child protagonist i mean or or you know when it comes to ahsoka or ezra from rebels like one of our main characters is is a kid i like that we're kind of continuing that 
and that has a utilitarian purpose like in that this is an all ages tv show and you should probably give young people a character to Mm -hmm. to see themselves with (laughs) but like um it's just fun getting to explore this universe through her eyes and i think that is another one of those like it's like star wars but different it's star wars to the left it just makes it so i don't know again sweet in a way is like the only way i feel like i can describe it because it's just like it's nice seeing something from a new perspective in such like a kind Mm -hmm. perspective a hopeful perspective um i feel like it puts that kind of like heartwarming like i don't know it puts the heartwarming back into the sort of like exploration of this universe yeah um and I think obviously that's kind of like also the role that she puts in the batch. She serves in the batch. <laughs> I, I think it's interesting to compare her to the other two like child proxies that we've been given in Ahsoka and Ezra because like I think Ahsoka was very much like she was very cemented in her place. She knew what she was doing, but it's up to her to like um, learn learn now how to yeah. do these things. And so like and she is kind of special in the way that she's a, a Jedi Padawan. Mm-hmm. So she's she's kind of coming at it from like a um you know let me take care of it i want the responsibility i'm yeah which is not to say that you can't be good and innocent doing that no but it's just a different i mean she's um, a, you know she's a different person <laughs> yeah it's just a different um proxy that we get which is very set obviously in the clone wars so that makes sense obviously like ezra um is coming from a life of uh hardships um and and is kind of the one seeking hope yeah. he's not the one being the hope he, he literally he truly finds like hope in and love in found family right yeah. and like in their purpose and right. like finds purpose there right it's, um which is very obviously uh appropriate for rebels yeah um about the rebellion but i i like this sort of like interim chapter where like thing things are just changing and like these characters are having to deal with it yeah and so we have omega who is not necessarily um doesn't necessarily have a specific goal in mind and she isn't necessarily a seeker um she is just sort of um along for the ride and very loyal yeah and i think she like it's essentially it serves such a purpose of like yes we are in a changing world and my favorite thing to say is choice in a changing world um thematically for this show but Mm -hmm. like i love that it's essentially we're given a proxy that like despite any change that can come this person omega this child is going to handle it with a like a certain like positivity and Mm -hmm. like kindness and hopefulness Mm -hmm. and like it it just does become literally like a a bastion right in Mm -hmm. this world it's like the thing that we hold on to Mm -hmm. um she's just like such a lovely a lovely character yes um i i feel like i was surprised how endeared i was to her immediately when i first watched this show (laughs) we can move on from that um i mentioned this earlier echo tech and wrecker kind of take a back seat in this episode though i do really like that we get um a sort of echo uh cliff notes um it's it's just good information to have um i don't know i like that they handled that i do like that they obviously like characterize you know echo tech and Mm -hmm. wrecker sort of in the background a little bit and how they interact with each other um as the series goes on, we see obviously more of them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it is interesting to see how much more active they get. Yeah, we don't have any episodes in this series or in this season so far that are character specific. Like we don't have a, like a Tales of Bossing Say kind of episode where we get to see them on oh, their like own. Little, yeah, yeah, little vignettes um, just about like just about tech or just about wrecker um which i'm hoping we might get in the second season that'd be interesting Um, but that being said i I, honestly it wasn't super needed because the further we get in this season the more these little moments compound yeah um 
and we do get very fleshed out characters yeah because um, of that because of the background things because of just it, it does amount to something yeah. and i think it's i mean like my question i wrote here and i think it's a good question to ask in in pretty much anything is why this is done right Right. why did they take a backseat in this episode and it does really feel like because we needed a lot of room to establish our trail that trail from (laughs) is what i almost said foil Foil triumvirate um right because we had some really important like pillar characters that we needed to get the themes of this show across in hunter omega and crosshair Mm -hmm. um and you know we love the uh, other members of the batch but clearly we can't you know write in well it would just the writing would get so muddled in the story would get so muddled if you also have to address how specifically wrecker feels about this and tech yeah and echo it's like like the biggest pitfall you fall into with like ensemble casts and truly because it is really just like driving a stake between hunter and crosshair um it isn't completely needed um but i do appreciate the little moments that we do get like when they get back to their uh bunk uh after the first mission um, and they're talking about how they didn't complete their mission on collar or whatever. And Hunter and Crosshair have another, tiff. another tiff, um, another domestic. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but like we get to see, like Record doesn't really care that much. Echo cares a lot. He's very confused. Um, yeah. And Tech is just kind of the one providing information. Um, we get to see. Th- I mean, he does say in that episode at some point, like I don't like the systematic. Uh, elimination of the Jedi. Of the Jedi. I don't Jenny like. Is what I just said. <laughs> That's how the Italian um, yeah. <laughs> voice does it in the translation. Um, we get to see little glimpses of it, but like the point wasn't like how do each of these characters feel about what's happening. It's that like there is a wedge going up between. Um, or coming down between Hunter and Crosshair, and that's the point. Yeah, it's almost like uh, we knew that these three in Echo Tech and Wrecker weren't gonna. they were not gonna question hunter but not in the way where they're like chill with just like doing whatever like they also have like opinions it's just like what hunter is doing is kind of the morally upright choice and they will follow him because they you know also agree we don't necessarily need to get into the nitty-gritty details of like how everyone feels constantly about everything obviously like you said hunter's just going around taking like a survey like how do how do you feel about me being your boss they have like like, little half sheets of paper that get passed out um it's anonymous and they're like there's (laughs) There's five of us us. um but uh yeah and we get to see obviously echo in uh, when sheev is addressing them and he's just like very affronted by the concept of an empire Mm -hmm. right like i think uh, our theme with this show also is a lot nope yes a lot and a little um right so we get to characterize you know these boys you know and wrecker in the food fight scene and like the other sort of like fighting scenes we get to see them as more than just like super caricatured Mm -hmm. but also you know like understanding that the, the smart way to handle an ensemble cast is is having sort of a primary and a secondary group um i also we didn't really talk about it but i do like in the beginning of that food fight scene when they're in the the mess hall um i i love now uh looking at some of the episodes in hindsight that wrecker is the one that's like talking to tech about like i'm not programmed i'm not controlled (laughs) um it's very interesting um other than just coloring his character i mean like no one presumably would like to be controlled but like um it's just like very clear that that's sort of who wrecker is and it's just it is fun it's to another see. little bit of conversation that characterizes him yeah and it's nice that we kind of get them like it, it, that conversation gave very much the illusion of like we're just going about our, our yeah, day exactly. today right but it did also serve the purpose of like coloring these characters mm-hmm. um 
and it is, you know, it's just nice. And I think I don't feel like they were left to the wayside, really. It, it, no. It does feel organic, which I appreciate. Well, I think it was so important that they act as a unit behind Hunter because mm-hmm. of that uh, wedge between Hunter yeah. and Crosshair and the fact that, like, it really sets Crosshair aside um, because the point isn't that uh, Hunter is fucking up. The point isn't that Hunter is unsure and the rest of the batch is sure. Um, the point is that Crosshair and Hunter have these deviating destinies, it seems. Um, and like if Crosshair were to express like, well, I don't think you should be the leader anymore. And like Tech agreed with him. It'd be kind of weird. Yeah, it, it would. Um, it would muddle fail in its purpose. Yeah, it would muddle the purpose of of these characters. Yeah, because then episode. you would just have like a weird. Okay, Tech still goes with Hunter. Yeah, and, like, but there's this unspoken like yeah, unhappiness I, or I unsatisfactory. There's still yeah. like a purpose too, in that like Crosshair is left to him alone. Um, in this, like that that is like a huge motivation for him in in his side of things is like because um, presumably at the end of this episode he's been quote unquote abandoned, um, from his point from of view. his point of view, um, presumably uh y- yeah it's interesting I don't know I I do think that like it helps to literally throw the weight around of like what emotionally is happening yeah. depending on where these three sort of go, mm-hmm. um, should we talk at all about Namase or Lamasu. My only note is that, like, I, I feel like I was always kind of surprised um, that Namase was gonna essentially at all be involved in a plot line, right? So, like, we've kind of um, talked about our C plot being just like Empire shenanigans, and you know, it, it ebbs and flows, and what that is. Um, it is surprising that we are getting, presumably going forward, some. Kaminoan points of view in this and that there is sort of like a greater scheme going on um always surprised by that it is not something I predicted for this show um it it seems like (laughs) I don't know it's like a wild thing to include again I do like this show because I feel like it's giving us like perspectives I I did not think about the show is like surprisingly complex and they give us a lot of layers to deal with i mean this becomes important at the end of the season but we do see her plot line going somewhere yeah that again I mean, I, it's when we were like i remember when, it's set up so yeah i mean i re- i remember when we were um gearing up to watch the last episode of this season when it mm-hmm. when it premiered i did not expect what happened with her or what is happening with her um it was it very much blindsided me it's just like truly from the the start here, it is surprising that the Kaminoans at all are included because obviously as kind of we know from just like background Star Wars universe information, the clone, you know, cloning doesn't continue, right? Mm-hmm. The Kaminoans become obsolete. Yeah. Um, obviously, we've never known really what happens to them. So I guess this is, you know, like filling it in. And it's like, again, it's something I never would have like predicted was in this show. I never really thought be like, oh, I really want to know what the Kaminoan perspective is. Um, so... I, I am grateful for it. It's it's really fascinating to to see again just like another I think we mentioned this in the first part, just a facet of this world that like affects more people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if this if this show really is about change and everything is changing, then like of course it makes sense that they would include that because because it is a transition. It's not um we, we set up like a kind of a strife between Lamasu and Tarkin in the in this first episode. Yeah. Uh, it it is in flux it's not just like oh you're done goodbye yeah once again it's like uh i I feel like we've seen sort of the 
you know, the empire rising up in really specific places. And I I feel like a lot of times we aren't always seeing the ripple effect that Mm -hmm. it has. And I think the show is rife with that sort of ripple effect. Mm -hmm. It is everywhere. And I really get to, I like seeing it in all these different places. Yeah. Okay. Should we jump to themes? Um, Do you want to talk about AZ? I don't have a whole lot to say about him. You just want to mention that we like him. I just want to do my boy AZ justice. He's my favorite droid, I think, um, so far. I'm trying to think of uh, one of my favorite droids in the series comes up in a a way, uh, not a way later episode, but like the fifth episode, fourth episode. I just like, I just like him a lot. There's just a lot of good droids in this show. too. I I appreciate that we, um, I think for a while we were getting a lot of like R2-D2 type droids where like they don't speak. Um, I was like, Astromex? (laughs) No, like we get BB-8 and. um, Yeah, they're just, they're they're binaries. Yeah, (laughs) they beep. uh, They do speak, but they they speak in binary. <laughs> um, we other than like C three PO, we don't see a lot of like speaking droids. Um, and I think that's this is a fun. I, I like that they kind of did a different. Yeah, and I believe AZ is the same AZ that we see in the season mm-hmm. with six fi- with fives. Yes, yeah, episodes with fives and the inhibitor chip. So it's fun that they just like randomly brought him back. Um, he's a fun, funky little guy. I love him a lot. Anyway, that's all I have to say. Okay, <laughs> uh, so themes. Uh, yeah, let's talk about themes. Um, obviously we've covered the uh so we've covered hope a lot uh yeah so obviously we have covered the theme of hope which is a classic sort of a star wars quintessential theme. Um, um it's been there since the beginning i yeah. think it's in pretty much everything yeah uh it's still here <laughs> yeah i do like that we get to see this theme kind of come home in a person um rather than uh something that tends to jump or is um kind of ethereal mm. like we, i mean i guess we do see it in episode four I was gonna of say with the leia. original trilogy with leia like you know we want you're my only hope um but then he dies so um <laughs> yeah i mean i guess she's kind of representative of hope oh, that's in, a, true. in a way um yeah it's not necessarily uh, as hard-hitting but that's as what i, I mean like here. it could be applied to obi-wan it could be applied to her it kind of jumps right it, it also uh i will say on a note on that it it would it's kind of strange to me that that concept hope which does feel very soft and nice is it seems to be applied to women a lot um yeah i as sort of their auxiliary role which does kind of to me feels like what leia's whole thing was in in for um not her whole thing but like but a she, part of her she changes and she gets a little different yeah in the other two movies so like again it's kind of a flux thing like it's almost like okay by the end of four it's it's kind of luke now and yeah. he's because he's the last jedi that's he's the he's the one that's like pursuing an education in this basically <laughs> um he's an academic <laughs> um <laughs> But yeah, I I think it's interesting that we're seeing it from a little bit of a different perspective with Omega, where it's it's kind of just who she is, but it's not. Um, we're not getting sort of an, an ethereal character, either. Again, I mean, I said this earlier, but she is a full complex character. Yeah, yeah, it is nice to just like have it. It, it makes a little bit more sense, and I like that they've set it up instead mm-hmm. of it just being like a given. I suppose. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know how it would be a given. Unless they're given just, that the rebellion is not, yeah, it literally would have to be in sort of a layaway where she's just like, "I'm here to help people. I'm yeah. a good person." Yeah. You're like, "Okay." Um, our next theme is good versus evil, which is kind of again a big classic Star Wars theme. At this point, I'm even like, 
<laughs> skeptical to call it a theme. It just kind of is the way this world works. Mm-hmm. It's it's truly I almost said the juice. Um, <laughs> gross. Um, the sort of cogs in the machine, right? Yeah. Like th- this world. I mean, you could argue in universe, it's like this too, where it, like there there constantly is like a fight between good right. and eagle. Eagle. <laughs> There's a fight between the good and the eagles. <laughs> just like big birds, we <laughs> fucking ate them. Um, between good and evil and like you know obviously the jedi are supposed to be the balance they're not though um right again in in this show which is like very devoid of any jedi which which i like a lot i think is a positive um it's very interesting to see how those two things play out yeah it is i i guess that's kind of like the crux of this conversation Mm -hmm. is like it's really fun to see that good versus evil is still present because it seems to be the way the world works right but like we are seeing it manifested in a different way and it's Mm -hmm. really nice to see that um come to fruition like outside of these like players that their whole job is to balance good versus evil and in that just kind of do good things um but yeah i don't know it's interesting i i do love i mean i love that it's become less cosmic and more down to every person to do yeah. you know the moral thing um yeah we, we i mean we obviously get glimpses of like the big the big bad um the big big evil guy in you know Sheev? in Sheev and tarkin we see the growing empire the darkness descending um but i love that it does boil down to these two pillars of the group hunter and crosshair yeah it's just very indicative of the rest of the show being we're gonna see this good versus evil played out in little moments and yeah and, with and everyday people i was gonna say and in i almost said real people but like mostly in that they're not they're not they're not tales. the special chosen one yeah, people like yeah. I, I feel like the jedi like they're like we have this like sort of cosmic forever historical duty to like do this and you're like that's cool and stuff but like why mm-hmm. um i i feel like we get less time to explain character motivations in that and then in this it's like you literally just like gave um traumatized people the whole world Mm -hmm. and we're like these are the choices that you have Mm -hmm. what are you going to do and what's going to inform you um are you ever going to step out of yourself and and help other people like it's i don't know it is again i I think it's such a treat to be able to see how something so big as that can be boiled down to good small individual human stories um sort of on that note uh we also have the power of choice and fate slash uh destiny um to me these are very intertwined i mean they're all intertwined yes nothing in story is an island is is another thing i like to tell myself um but yeah i don't know the the power of choice or choice in a changing world as i like to call it um i i do i'm such a sucker for these stories um I don't know. It is, again, it's just like incredibly human to just be like, okay, like you can choose, you know, what you want to do in, in your life. Like when it comes down to it, what will you choose? Who, who is the person you're going to be? Mm-hmm. Um, as we both know, we uh, love Red Dead Redemption too. And this is kind of the whole thing. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's fun to see it here too. Yeah. I guess, it, I mean, it's obviously not, um, it's not a redemptive story because no. like none of these boys have done have a been like a big war crime? criminals. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, as far as we know. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, I, I do like how these two things, which like, I guess we're calling separate, but I do like how uh, separate themes, I mean, um, how they intertwine very well, because I think a lot of traditional stories that deal with the theme of destiny and fate, um, take Oedipus Rex, for example, 
like the the whole concept in, in a lot of these Greek tragedies, like destiny is just this inescapable force that like no matter what you do, no matter how hard you rail against it, it will always prevail. Um, and this the tragedy is that right yeah. that like you know destiny and fate are very cruel. I mean you cannot escape them. Um, I think we see Star Wars itself kind of turning this on its head a little bit because like it's not so much that like you cannot escape this, but it's that like either the destiny that you thought you had wasn't really it um, or there really is no destiny at all, maybe. Um, and it's really just down to the like choices that you end up making. Yeah. It is up um, to the individual. Right. Cause like the whole thing was that like Anakin was the chosen one, right? Yeah. He, his destiny was to bring balance to the force. And like, I guess in a way he did that, but also in, in a, a way that did. no one saw coming, right? Yeah. Like it in, a, in a very wild way, huge upset, right? Um, <laughs> upsetting to Obi Wan specifically, specifically, yes, <laughs> yes, huge um, upset in that regard. <laughs> yeah, um, but it sort of blindsided them. This like concept of this idea of destiny, and that's how it unfolds in Anakin's story. In this show, we get to see it as um, the batch sort of realizing that, like, or at least part of the batch realizing that, like maybe we don't have to have this destiny of being soldiers yeah we maybe it's not really who we were meant to be um and there comes the power of choice once you take the kind of cloak of destiny off your shoulders yeah uh, or have it removed from you it's it's becomes the theme of the power of choice yeah and like we talked about in that again in that conversation with Saw Gerrera depending on the perspective that theme changes understanding with characters right mm -hmm. so like you know the the batch sans crosshair sort of army and cast like gets to have the concept of like being born soldiers taken off of them and then they are given the choice the space to decide what it is that they have to be to survive and also what they can be now mm -hmm. that they don't have to like be warriors right and yeah. then crosshair he's still kind of stuck in this he, destiny is yeah like we were it. destined to do this this is the mm -hmm. purpose we were built for right yeah. um and it's again it's just like another wedge between them but it's interesting to see like crosshair almost like it ignores the thought of choice or does choose to continue to be i don't know well i think at this relegated point, to his fate right yeah we're i think at this point we're under the impression that because of the chip he 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 just is stuck in that basically like at this point he's a little stuck yeah i mean we see later that that maybe changes um, i mean even at the end of this episode he has sort of an interesting persona sort of air about him when it comes to this i guess this it, concept it, yeah i guess it is interesting it, <laughs> to dissect his behavior as far as like the other regs in the beginning of this that we see being under the influence of the chip seem very rote and mechanical and yeah. robotic he seems like crosshair but just that like this is what he wants yeah um obviously he is under some kind of influence of the chip yeah um, we do not know we don't know sort how of, well that yeah. works or or what exactly uh, what augmentations they made to it but he for now and for the time being he is kind of still with that cloak of destiny and fate yeah. on his shoulders he feels unable to make choices uh like the rest of the batch uh yeah and i guess like the the purpose of that is that it is it is i mean this is the pilot right so we're setting up questions right to be answered or not answered or you know discussed etc is just like okay we have people you know with the power to choose and we have a person who is not you know has kind of in a way chosen to continue to 
live in sort of this world of like fates and destinies um they're pretty much living in two separate worlds at this point yeah and it's just like you know okay so like now we have questions is he like the other regs with his chip is it Mm -hmm. different is this something he wants is it something that he doesn't want is he sort of a prisoner in this is he you know is he chosen this he's a very faceted character yeah and i like that again like i think a lot of those questions are supported by like little things that we see in this story i think if you're i mean you know absolutely you can watch these shows casually it doesn't need to be like a whole fucking thing no you need to analyze Um, it (laughs) everything needs to be analyzed um but i feel like if maybe you know at surface level he seems like oh he was just you know he's villain coded he's a bad guy he's gonna be a bad guy we can move on um but i do really like again in in things like character animation and how these choices are built up and how he reacts to things we're seeing that like there's a lot more questions we have to answer um which i think is a very interesting way to like set up this whole series because we're (laughs) we it's so again it is wild to me that quote-unquote a children's show it's an all-ages animation show right but again the concept that a lot of people relegate an animated show assume it's for children children yeah um not that that children suck or anything no but like and again it's this is a totally different topic but like the thought that like kids ever weren't smart in the first place and that it's really uh, a kind and hopeful to see all-ages animation children's shows shows for younger people uh using a little bit more of like your whole brain and, Being as, and assuming complex and layered yeah assuming that kids can handle it because guess what they can yeah. um it, it's just it's nice to see right but like it is so it's so refreshing to see these like very faceted like themes in these shows mm-hmm. um i feel like people would assume that that would come from like maybe a star wars live action show which is fine but like i feel like i have always found so much interest in in these shows yeah, for that truly. reason i think in a lot of the live action shows that we're seeing this is getting a little off topic but <laughs> i work we're kind of almost seeing the opposite like i mean i like those star wars live action shows that we're getting but they are not <laughs> this level of complexity and like layering they're a little simpler than i maybe thought that they would be yeah it's, it's interesting and this is like one of my favorite things to think about in terms of design and art is that like this concept of embracing limitations and like there is so much you can do when you're like okay so we can't murder people and we can't show like adult content and we can't you know use profanities like interesting how dialogue progresses or like how stories can progress right and it's not necessarily in a way that they're like oh they're compensating for not being able to do that I honestly think that like adult shows uh use that too much as like a cheap payoff a lot of adult shows use gore uh or like unnecessary like love triangles yeah as just like, like sexual content yeah as like a crutch for like oh isn't this scintillating isn't this surprising it's like no okay you're just being lazy <laughs> at this point like this is unnecessary like constantly you have to ask yourself every scene every dialogue uh interaction like is this necessary is this furthering the plot is this doing something for my characters and it's like a lot of the times when you boil down live action shows that are allowed to do all those things the answer is no and it's just like oh to distract you here's something shiny here's a sex scene here's someone getting their head bashed in yeah so it's just game of thrones um yeah yeah it's just interesting but again it's so it's so lovely to be able to get this in a in a show in this format and you know i'm a big sucker for animation so it's you know a a special little thing for me um it's just it's nice it's nice to see these things so set up in a in the first episode um and obviously i'm excited to continue um and see where it goes again because we've watched it but like refresh myself because it's been a minute (laughs) 
Okay. Uh, our last theme, that we I honestly kind of forgot. Oh yeah, I also forgot about this. This is sort of a, a theme light. I'm gonna call it it's since sort it's of sort of vibe. <laughs> it's sort of all encompassing. It's very Star Wars to have like a mentor mentee relationship or like a very found family Hell yeah. relationship. We see this on Rebels, obviously. Um, I was just thinking about this while I was thinking this theme. Thinking about this theme, we see a little more found family in this show specifically. We see a lot of found family in Rebels. Um, the mentor mentee relationship we obviously see a lot in the Jedi. Um, and those relationships are always like good. Um, whether or not like this person's master dies or something happens to them, like there's always like a good relationship between like the master and the Padawan. Yeah. Um, I would love like a Jedi who gets like a really shitty master. <laughs> not like shitty, like mean to them, they're but just, just like, like boring. They're boring and they don't like them. <laughs> Yeah. see that i don't remember it's always like i love my master he's so cool yeah it's like, like i mean truly these people are being raised by their teachers so it's like kind of <laughs> sad but like it would be really funny if like i don't it, like who's tara sanube's padawan and did they <laughs> like the coruscant underworld as much as tara sanube like he raised a generation of detectives <laughs> <laughs> like i just like there's all those weird background jedi we see in Clone yeah like Wars. does jocasta new have any padawans? <laughs> she has librarian padawans <laughs> Her like, People, can i ask you a question master jocasta she's like shh <laughs> shut like, up shut up the library <laughs> go dewey decimal system the books They're again like, or yoda whatever. can i have a different one <laughs> i can't remember how there is like extended universe stuff of like how padawans are are given to <laughs> masters i don't remember if like they're just like assigned by yoda and mace windu right or if the masters get to choose um i think in the extended universe the masters get to choose because if you're not chosen by the time you're like 13 you go with the remember the farm core or whatever the <laughs> yeah. fuck it was um you. this is really getting into the dirt of like random star wars shit but yeah. like yeah who's the boring ass master who picks like the wrong kid for them anyway anyway i just thought it was funny back to the point that i was making previously. oh boy was that a tangent uh we kind of see this theme all over i don't know that it has a special um you know like scene or something that i'm gonna point out it's just sort of like it obviously is. they're building to this the, i mean the batch is sort of a found family in itself um but with the addition of omega like they're no longer just like brothers i i like though that like they do kind of like Hunter becomes the de facto dad. Yeah. In like the next episode, we see Echo being a little more motherly. Um, like yeah. it's not like that she has two dads specifically. Like it's very much that like they take on the like mom and pop role a little bit. Yeah. Um. So like they, they become kind of very familial. In whereas structure. like Tech and Wrecker are very brotherly to her. Like they're not parental in a lot of ways. They're like it's not our they fucking responsibility. Feel very older brother to her. Um. But. Yeah, I, I I guess it is a little bit better than oh, with just four guys that don't know what they're doing. It's more like they they do take on different roles within this. Like they are kind of more of a family rather than just like four dudes who have to take care of a baby. It's kind of tropey it, in a it way. It is it is tropey in a uh, way, yeah. but it's like fun. It's still fun. I don't know. It's just it. <laughs> yeah, I love that this is just like it's not a theme so much as a vibe or like a structure of what we're seeing. But I am a huge sucker for found family, so it's nice to see it here. Okay, that's the last thing that we had. Um, theme written, theme that we had written down. Um, let's let's transition to your favorite thing, which is design. Hi. This is going to be so fun because I have a lot of notes on this. Sure. To which point you said, "Oh God." So this is my sort of um, fun area of expertise and also the thing I like to remark on most when we are watching episodes because I love pretty clouds and pretty trees and other things. Having recently watched a few episodes of Clone Wars again. Um, oh my God. 
it's this show is so good it's really funny because we were watching season one clone wars episodes again clone wars is a very enjoyable show i like watching it but just like the the textures the background it does i mean this was an astute observation on your point it does feel like a video game made in like 2001 which like it was made in 2008 with like probably similar technologies to you know like 2008 it, well, video games when i was but, when i said that I, I meant like it feels like playing a video game made in 2001 now that you remember yeah, exactly. very fondly as a yeah, kid yeah, yeah you have sort of like and you're like your, wow it was so beautiful and yeah, then you go back and you're like have, this looks like a potato yeah it does <laughs> that's a great way to describe it because everything in the background of clone wars is so blank um and i get why <laughs> you know like uh, limitations of the software and like you know render and all that stuff and just like it doesn't hinder the show no it's just really funny when you see it and you're just like why is this completely empty why are we in a human empty room top ramen for your whole life and then someone gave you like actual like good Good ramen ramen from like a ramen shop and then you went back to top ramen you're like oh god oh no um, and you're like, this is empty and devoid. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're making it seem like Clone Wars is really hard to watch. It's not. It's, it's not. good. Uh, it's just really funny because it truly does kind of like look like a potato and I love it. <laughs> uh, I love potatoes. I love it. Yeah. Um, but that being said, uh, you know, design notes, uh, it, it's one of my favorite things to talk about mostly as as we've talked about in why we're doing analysis of this like it's good to look at design and visual design choices to analyze like hey why was this choice made you know like what does it do to support the story is it necessary is it not necessary do we have anything that we would change Mm -hmm. um all good questions great questions um like i said i just love visual design um so clone so clone wars on on the mind um (laughs) What did you think I was going to say? No, I just like the way you said that. Clone Wars. So, so, so Clone Wars. <laughs> I'm trying to sound really casual, but freaking out. Yeah, like um, you're trying to bring it up in conversation, but like, like no natural pathways. Of, like strangers. Like, so, so Clone Wars. And they're like, like excuse me? They're like, what is that? Like, never mind. Um, So in talking about Clone Wars, we can we can start talking about uh, the sort of visual motifs at the beginning of this particular episode of Bad Batch and that we mentioned are very Clone Wars-esque. I can't remember the exact wording of like when we were talking about this, but in my mind, this pilot, at least the first scenes on collar are very much like an ode to Clone Wars, right? Mm-hmm. But it's like Clone Wars, it's not even 2.0, it's like 5.0. Mm-hmm. Um, it is just like everything you know and love about Clone Wars, but better, right? And I love how they establish that, right? So like the logo at the beginning, the Clone Wars logo, like why did they do that, right? We've talked about it. It's just like a really heartwarming way to like, just throw you into this new story Mm -hmm. um i don't know it just made me it makes me feel good that they included that and i feel like the setup for this episode and that we get to see you know jedi and clones at first is very clone warsy um it's really creating like a a, a motif there and since these two stories that is clone wars and then bad batch are very like connected Mm -hmm. um it it makes a lot of sense right Mm -hmm. um so (laughs) yeah essentially i have so many uh just like shots and stuff that i like that like i'm just really pleased with how the show looks um everything from like the lighting there's you know special particle effects in falling snow and dust particles and like god rays light coming through trees like it's just such a a a beautiful experience i think those things are specifically some of the things that make going back to clone wars feel so flat yeah exactly um and there's such little things that like i mean you notice them but it's not like um it's not a huge 
It's not there like he, look at the dust particles. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a huge thing, but it, it but it lends itself to like the um the realism of it. Yeah. Um that is something that when you take that away, you're like, "Oh my god." And I think like obviously Clone Wars, I mean, it it I almost said got away with this. They weren't getting away with anything. It's just like how animation was in 2008. Yeah. Um but well, no one was expecting that. Yeah, exactly. Um but like it <laughs> it's it makes sense for that show, but also like I think it's unexpected in how it, it makes sense per limitations of animation, but it is just like really lovely to see here. I also think it's really interesting. I mean, you said it kind of lends itself to a realism. Like I, I think that adds to like thematically how this show it, it's a lot less like I mean, as we talked about, Clone Wars is a lot of like big grand ideas. Everything is a big fucking deal. Like these are the big heroes. It's kind of has this um fantastical element to it and i feel like bad batch strangely enough is a little bit more grounded in reality when it comes to like themes and feelings and like these characters um so it's nice to see obviously animation progress to this point Mm -hmm. uh it's also nice that we're adding details and like they didn't have to do those things right they didn't have to add falling snow on collar or you know dust particles that we see in the air and like light playing off of them that wasn't that wasn't necessary, but they chose to take the time to do it. And I think it really like plants us firmly in the world. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also just a testament that like, I mean, I think everything in the show speaks to this, but it really feels like the crew, all the crew of this show really cares a lot. It does. This feel, feels like a passion project yeah. almost. It feels like a big like love letter to people who watch exactly. Clone Wars. Right. And, and to and, Clone and, Wars itself and just like. Yeah. the legacy of it it's really I, I don't know it's just like it feels it <laughs> it feels so good right mm-hmm. it, it makes me feel good mm-hmm. um and i think again it's interesting that it kind of makes it feel more realistic because inherently the show is very stylized which is another thing i wanted to bring up vis-a-vis character design um so <laughs> the style of the show is interestingly different than clone wars and also rebels right so clone wars is very very angular and then rebels they're like we're gonna make everything round i'm like that's fun um but because Clone Wars and Bad Batch are so connected, they like kept sort of the angular look, but they've like updated the style. Like we were watching those season one episodes of Clone Wars and like Rex looks like a fucking potato and like their <laughs> eyes are all like fucking gigantic. Like they're, they're really big, wildly exaggerated. And the colors are so weird on the eyes. Yeah. Like Obi-Wan has like crystal eyes. Like they're not even blue. They're like water. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like the sea after this storm. There you go. Um, write your fan fiction about it. Um, oh, I will. <laughs> you know, I will. Um, but it's interesting how they've updated the style. Things seem a little bit more like in a wild way realistic. Uh, there are less exaggerated proportions at yeah. the very least, um, which I think goes along really well with like a lot of other design choices. Like one of the other things I wrote down, I'm a I'm a big sucker for background design. Um and a lot of these like big wide shots they have that are like fucking gorgeous. Also are... just the integration of a wide shot. Exactly. So like shot types, right? This is something I see and we talk about a lot in like older shows and video games. There sometimes won't be like these mega huge wide shots and you feel kind of like you're not seeing the whole picture. Yeah. Um, like you're kind of losing out on like some atmosphere there. But I think they're literally just like, well, we shouldn't do a huge wide shot because your characters will be tiny. And that's the important part. And it's like, eh. Um, but I love that they're not afraid to go super extreme with shot types in this show. And then when we do get those huge wide shots, like we do on collar, which I already talked about, but like it has this beautiful painted quality to the backgrounds, which I would probably guess that they're at least somewhat painted. Um, 
can you um elaborate on painted painted because this is animation right yeah yeah yeah. um traditional animation like 2d animation all of your backgrounds would be hand painted Mm -hmm. uh, by an artist who is a background designer or mm, background painter um (laughs) but uh in 3d animation that's generally not what happens you would or like if you think about in a video game like the background is filled up with other three-dimensional objects Mm -hmm. um which gives off a very three-dimensional look or it'll Mm -hmm. be just like empty right like that's a very like clone wars thing to do too it's like it's just a big open planet and like everything is completely flat with maybe some mountains in the background Mm -hmm. right um those are going to be maybe 3d objects or like kind of a painted background but this they really go hard into the style right so like everything feels i mean specifically that white shot on collar you can see it really well it feels um it almost has like a, <laughs> I almost reference like a really specific art movement. Um, the art movement that Red Dead 2's visuals were based off of, which is called, oh God, I don't remember. It's like a 1800s of landscapes art movement, but they have this really like atmospheric, beautiful lighting and it's like super detailed. Um, it, it feels very like they stylistically went into that and made it not necessarily just 3D objects in a background, but they created something even more beautiful in that atmosphere um thank you you're welcome sorry that was a long explanation uh but again it's like i don't know it's clone wars but grown up it's just yeah it just looks incredible um but character design so differentiating our main characters uh from each other is an interesting choice to me that sounds like i don't think they should have differentiated the characters well let's be clear they needed to yeah they're the main characters correct plus season seven seemed to sort of lump them all together correct we've talked about this yeah um it is kind of like a bonus i would say like Mm -hmm. let's i think it obviously helps the story that our characters are visually differentiated from each other um it some of the choices are i mean choice right i why does hunter have a half of a face skull tattoo i have no idea um (laughs) i I don't know it it works though right like they become kind of like fun and funky in that way um i do like that the two to have tattoos on their face are crosshair and hunter it does and they're on the opposite sides of their faces yes they are yeah um yeah it does like i I, like it makes sense because we've seen so many clones with face tattoos which is just like what choice who's doing clone face tattooing um i just sorry i'm just thinking about the thought process that hunter went through before he got that skull face whole half skull face tattoo like what happened I'm not saying I don't like it. It's fine. It, it works for him. And whatever. I'm not saying that you can't have a face tattoo no. without being like I blackout w- drunk. But like to me, that's what happened. <laughs> I feel like you would only ever see this kind of tattoo from someone who was in prison. <laughs> it, and, and and this main character that we have is a military boy. <laughs> I don't know. And a good boy. I don't so. know. Yeah. The, the thought here to me is that like. This is a complete tangent, but it is on my on my mind. Yeah, to me, it feels like they were on Coruscant one day and he got very drunk and then got a big tattoo that maybe he was thinking about would be fun, but never ran it past anyone and then woke up with this. Ironically to me, Crosshair's tattoo feels more like a drunk tattoo. It It looks like a stick and poke. It does look like a stick and poke tattoo, number one. Number two, your eyeball, like up around your eyeball. Like Hunter's to me feels like he went and he looked for a good tattoo artist and he was like, can you do me some art? Take a while. Yeah, exactly. Too like that's not a one session tattoo. Whereas Crosshairs (laughs) is like, yeah, he had to be really committed to the idea of having a whole half skull face tattoo. Um, Hunter. What happens if you're getting a face tattoo like that and you start crying and they're like, can you only cry out of the (laughs) eye that I'm not working around? 
I guess it depends. Also, like, just a detail on it, like, the little cut above his eyebrow of, yeah. like, not tattoo. Oh, my God. That's, like, one of my favorite things. For a really long time, like, when I first started watching this show to the point where I had to go zoom in because I was so curious, <laughs> I thought that, like, because he has his dark eyebrow on his the right side of his face <laughs> well, where there's no tattoo. Dark, right. Yeah. No, but here's the thing. Because there's a gap that yeah. makes it, like, the opposite above his left eyebrow, I assumed that he had shaved his left <laughs> eyebrow off. <laughs> I was just like, definitely like he just like got it, it tattooed in the same style and shape as his eyebrow. He just doesn't have an eyebrow. And then you look and it's actually a gap above his eyebrow. Yeah, he still does have an eyebrow, which makes sense. I mean, what, he's not going to take time to shave his eyebrow every like what Can you couple days. Can you imagine where he's like only one eyebrow oh. for me? It's like this serve a purpose, mon frere. <laughs> Well, they serve a dirt out of your eyes. <laughs> also, like he's a military boy, he's not gonna be like, "Oh, my eyebrows double's coming, and I have to shave." To be Give fair, me two seconds. like if we're really getting lost in the sauce on this, like do the <laughs> and we should <laughs> do the regs shave, like or do they genetically not have hair that grows on their face? Because like hair, beard hair can grow they in pretty can quickly. Have oh, that's a good point. Does cut have cut has mutton chops? Yeah, but so... that's not like a must. <laughs> Yeah, but it's hair on his face. Is it's not hair a, on his head. Is there a is there a reg out there who's got like a handlebar mustache? <laughs> oh God. You know what though? Who was it? Is it, it was Boiler Waxer, one of those we were looking at their wiki page. Oh, and they he had has like, like a, a nasty. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. Give me a second. No, a definitely like someone a, does. They'll have like shadows too. Yeah. So presumably they can. I guess they all shave then. Um. Wow, have we gotten really off. I'm so sorry. No, it's I'm okay. So I mean, this is why we, we were have talking these... about character design. We were talking about character design, but like, I totally forgot to throw in my wild outlandish theory about Crosshair's tattoo, which is that like, this also goes into character design. So as we all fucking know, Crosshair is incredibly villain coded. Um, I love that his genetic mutations make him long and angular. <laughs> yeah as if that's necessary for being able to shoot a gun good truly i know why <laughs> they again i know why they made the characters look different because they're our main characters and like can you imagine if they were all like just regular regs that would be horrible <laughs> there are regs which is like a little fucked up <laughs> <laughs> yeah um th- th- it's a choice obviously they they did character design to make them like uh, be able to be discerned it's hysterical to me that like in universe the kaminoans were like yeah this one's long. <laughs> I mean, presumably they weren't making these decisions specifically. Why they were did just this like happen? Like types in their DNA, like is good at guns. <laughs> <laughs> like it's really fun. Like it makes sense with Wrecker, right? Because he's like, oh, he's yeah. big and strong. Mm-hmm. He's going to be big and strong. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, he's kind of a, a rounder guy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's hysterical to me that Crosshair is like so long for his job, which doesn't make any sense. But like, also, I love that he's so villain coded. He's villain coded like a fucking Scooby-Doo villain. <laughs> um and to my you see him and you're like it's that guy yeah it's him (laughs) officer arrest that guy it's that guy he's the murderer um look at him but my fun little uh uh quandary is his tattoo to me kind of speaks monocle (laughs) and i just am like is that intentional did we oopsie ourselves into a monocle tattoo i mean okay clearly it is a cross supposed to be a crosshair yeah it's supposed to be of like a reticle yeah it does look like a monocle. It looks like a fucking monocle. And he has like gray hair and like weird gaunt cheekbones. Truly, like- if he wasn't gaunt and he didn't have gray hair, it would look, I feel like it would be less of a, oh God, that looks like a monocle. Like, I just, I was like, I wonder what feels so evil about him. And I'm like, well, it's the fact that he looks like he's wearing a monocle on his eye at all times. Yeah. Um, tr- I just want to know. Um, 
Can you imagine this show if Crosshair was just like the most pleasant, normal person in the world? Fucking wild. (laughs) This would be a different show. It would be a different Um, show. (laughs) uh, Okay, so also what I wanted to talk about in character design. Uh, My one sort of like, I I don't love this. My one critique would be Kanan, sorry, Caleb's character design. Mm -hmm. Um, We see him for like 10 minutes, but it it kind of weirdly always like it took me aback essentially like the way he looked because he looks so wildly different than he, he looks does. quite odd in and in not even in like a oh the they just kind of did a weird younger canaan no. he looks like a fully different person he looks like a fully different person and i think my other thing too is like does any of this account for like a deep stylistic change between rebels and this show but even that like i wouldn't say that canaan's design in rebels is like overly like super exaggeratedly round in any way like it's just kind of he's just kind of a guy um but it's interesting that like yeah his complexion is completely different his hair color is is kind of different his lips though are what get me because they're like way darker than his skin like why why are are his lips so dark why is he so pale yeah why is he so pale um why are his lips so dark why is his hair kind of red yeah like this is like a different child like if this like Truly. if no one said his name i'm like this is just a random de- a jedi child which is strange because it's depa balaba's you know padawan but it's like it doesn't look like kanan at all Mm-mm. um and i'm so curious as to how that happened um i mean obviously i don't have an answer yeah um it did but it, that is the one thing it's like i really love this show i really love that first scenes those first scenes on caller it always confuses me why he looks like that um and especially the skin tone choice, like he definitely has like way darker skin in yeah. in Rebels or significantly darker skin. He's almost got like ruddier skin too. Like I'm looking at a picture of him and, and Ezra together. Like Ezra has kind of a like an olivey. Yeah, he does. A more undertone. Like Kanan does have like more of a ruddy, like a redder undertone. Um, but yeah, him as a child is just like he just looks like a like a little white boy. He looks kind of like very pale, younger Obi Wan. Um, like young sure, young, young, young young obi-wan was wearing like some dark lipstick i don't know why his lips are so dark which we don't know he didn't so that's fair <laughs> <laughs> you know it's a fair statement maybe he was trying something um and like lips are a lot of times like obviously a little bit darker than your skin tone or like a different color than your skin tone i should say like it depending on your complexion like there'll be a different color but, but it's but, not like, quite usual to be for them to be that dark, that much of a contrast if you're extremely pale exactly like, he is for a white dude it's pretty wild that his lips are so dark yeah um and i guess that's like a it's a very specific issue but like i this is something i see a lot on on various social medias especially when these episodes were coming out it's just like why does he look like this um still a question i have i've never found an answer to it um especially in a world where everything else is so detailed like Mm -hmm. it's it's such a strange sort of a red herring yeah um Okay, so I would love to talk about character animation, which is uh, something that we've talked about <laughs> all, all throughout these episodes because it's kind of like an interesting integral part to stories, at least in the background. Mm-hmm. Um, the improvements, though, from Clone Wars mm-hmm. or even Rebels to this show are, are kind of wild. Everyone is so stiff in Clone Wars. <sighs> they are. Like and they're even, made of a bunch of sticks. Even in Rebels, they <laughs> gave them more like gestural mm-hmm. sort of like when they would talk, they would gesture more. They're a lot more fluid, but to a point where they're almost like pretty bendy. Um, and I think that show was supposed to be a little bit more, mm-hmm. I don't know, fun in that way, a little bit like a softer. More f- flexible. Um, 
but but they move like people the characters move like people now yeah um i mean we've talked about a, a bunch like the way crosshair's face emotes in mm-hmm. that scene where omega is talking to him i noticed this i mean and we've watched this episode so many times at this point to record this episode of our podcast but like uh the scene when they're in the sort of battle simulation and i think hunter like throws a knife at one of these droids and i think that's when the live rounds switch over and he has to like run behind a barricade and he like throws himself against it and kind of Mm -hmm. does like a little like I don't know like some sort of like body animation where he's like kind of like trying to get up next to it and he's a little scared yeah you can kind of tell that he's been moving a lot and then like that was an exertion on his part um versus like I think a lot of the times when we see is specifically Jedi but sometimes clones um like duck behind things in Clone Wars it's very much like movement and then fully stop or like yeah it's like very like point to point which I (laughs) guess if for a Jedi you could excuse that as the just that like they are um unusually graceful um but clones don't have that excuse and honestly Jedi are just still people like they're not yeah they're not um superhuman in that way yeah it does just like I, I again this is a um a benefit of newer animation the quality and time we put into things the focus we put on things but it makes everything seem so lifelike and like this comes up a bunch in in the episodes following this obviously the entire season is that there's background animation that is just like uh, helps character development and like is just like it's nice to see things in the background, like other important things happening in the background because it makes you feel like you are in a dimensional world. Um, and it's just, it's so nice. Like, I, I think this show is like incredibly uh, produced and created. Yeah, even um, you have like character specific movements that they do too. Yeah, um, sort of mannerisms. Yeah, I mean, like Tex always got his finger up. He's like, you know, fun factor, like, you know, po- he's pointing kind of like... <laughs> No, but he's he's got that, and um, when they're in the um, jail cell together too, like Hunter's got he's you know leaning on his uh, he's doing the Spider Man pose, I think, and by Spider Man pose, I mean the thinking pose. Yeah, but he's got his like elbow on, he's like hunched yeah, over, yeah, and he's yeah, got yeah. his hand on his face, and like Tech is um, tapping his foot, and he's like I think leaning on both of his hands, so like. And the other two are not doing those <laughs> Echo things. Echo is just sad and present. <laughs> He's a little more uh, rigid because I yeah. think he used to be Rig, obviously. Um, which is, again, a good characterization yeah. of that. I I do just, I don't know. I, I think it's a fun thing to bring up. And it is, like, as a, as a reminder to us and the people listening, it's mm-hmm. a good thing to look for in the background of yeah. episodes. Because um, you do just get, like, really fun moments. Even not main characters. Um, yeah which are called side characters, <laughs> Not which, are called, characters. which are called background characters um have a lot of moments where um they are they're doing things they're they're yeah they're being air characterized yeah they're bringing fullness and life to the world um yeah i just it, it's fun to see and like like i said it's kind of my bread and butter this stuff i love i love understanding the ways that like designers have created an experience that makes you the viewer feel like you're in something not mm-hmm. just watching something um and then my i guess my sort of last little design note is sort of on on the latter half of this episode the sort of the very end of this episode um oh also uh one of my favorite scenes is when i mentioned this earlier um the lightning flashes on tarkin's face when they come back to camino and they get arrested uh is so monster movie to me i love again seeing those things that are like in our visual lexicon of just like we understand as people and like how you can use that to paint the emotions of a scene right Mm -hmm. i feel like i I was talking to you about this at one point i learned this at like a fucking gaming 
like trade show convention I went to, but just like uh, essentially like you can't give people too much to, to think about and mm-hmm. like, you know, have their brains like process through like new things when you're, you know, in TV or video games. Right. So you kind of rely on like visual, um, motifs mm-hmm. to like do, you know, easier like to, to make people understand quicker. Right. Yeah. And I love seeing that in, in this, right. Because the lightning flashing, right. Is like, so it's so monster movie. It's so Frankenstein. Like, you know, it's like, yeah. Been something that's like used and parodied over and over again for like all of time in film. It, right? it immediately puts you into certain frame of yeah, mind. Yeah. You know exactly what's going these on. Characters, yeah. Um, and um, I, I will say that, yes. I mean, it's always running on Camino because it's a weird water planet, but it's but a choice. these, um, especially the rest of the season, I would pay attention to, the type of rain yeah. um, whether it is raining or not because yeah. this is going to come back into play and i think they did this so subtly but so well no and that's like definitely one of the notes i have here is that like it is it makes sense why most of this episode takes place on camino and like obviously we know for the most part camino is always stormy but um it, it paints such a picture for this episode like there's a another one of the notes i have is there's a general lack of color in this episode Mm -hmm. it's not exactly a super like lovely colorful time it's pretty gray and blue it's like standard what we've seen also it's like you know it's very militant um everything's pretty monotone exactly but it's like okay what purpose does that serve in the story i mean we're in a pretty grim situation Mm -hmm. you know we're coming off the heels of like you know a, a even more grim situation like it's just you know in the fact that it's raining we have Tarkin with the lightning flashes like you know it, it's painting like a, a dullness in this world um even, even when we're in like the mess hall like it's white it's right? still it's very like, monochrome white the regs are are they have no distinctive markings yeah. um the light is very harsh like it's very bright um versus like a lot of the other scenes it's pretty dark um, but it's still like this harshness. It's yeah. not a comforting, yeah, c- cozy and, and light. We, we talked about this, I think, during the previous part in, in reference to like all of the regs that we see in this episode are like super plain regs, yeah. which obviously plays up sort of like the wild visual nature of the batch. Yeah, right? The only time we see um, like a painted reg, uh, like different colors is either shock troopers or in the beginning with Master Palapa's troops. Yeah, um, but it's interesting that essentially that same principle is playing out with color, right? Yeah. And I mm-hmm. love thinking about, okay, so the batch, we see them all over the place. They don't really feel visually at home in these places because mm-hmm. except for maybe their rooms, right? Mm-hmm. Which are very much made for them um, because there's such a lack of color and they're very unique. They're very, in a way, colorful with the addition of red to their armor. Um, the way they look is pretty wild, like, you know. Um, and I love thinking about this. And I when I thought of this, I'm like, oh, I love that. Um, that this episode is so gray so that when we go to the next episode in the rest of the series, the world absolutely opens up with yeah. color. It is, they essentially find in the world the place that visually they make sense. And I think that's such a fun thing to think about. Because mm-hmm. like even in the next episode, uh, they go to a, a pretty colorful place just because the world outside of the war and, and being a soldier and Camino, and Camino is full of life. Right. And like, I love using color as a representation of that. And yeah, and it's like, even despite the fact that, I mean, in the, in the ensuing episodes, we see a lot of the, the empire spreading its fingers and, and tightening its hold. But nonetheless, we it doesn't dampen the color of these regions that we yeah. go to. It's literally only in this first episode that we see yeah. the m- monolith monotone. Yeah. And color even scheme. like, okay, so in Omega's costume design, right? She's mm-hmm. sort of clothed in, clothed in white, a sort of dark blue, gray, and orange, which we don't see really that much. Um, she stands out from, you know, the other people, from the walls, from like, you know, all of these things. She is in a way, all, in a way also unique, like the batches. Mm-hmm. Um, 
it's just <laughs> it's so wonderful to see and like I, I don't know like color plays such an interesting has an interesting relationship um with these characters and I love that like they they did that so well in this episode and I think it paints such a, a wonderful story I've said that like 18 times <laughs> um but it's true yeah it's just like oh even like we go to Onderon at night, right? Like we've been to Onderon before. I looked this up before we started talking. Onderon is a pretty colorful place. They have like purple trees. It's very orange when we go there in Clone Wars. Mm-hmm. But they chose to have the scene take place at night, right? Where it's very dark. You can't really see any colors. It's just lit by like artificial light, right? Like so every single scene we have is like primarily. Intentionally. Yeah. Intentionally gray. Mm-hmm. Um, And then I love that. Yeah, the next episode is like an immediate like a splash of color. Mm-hmm. And it's just like. I don't know like I love that I love seeing Star Wars the world of Star Wars be painted in such a way um I don't I, love yeah attention I, to detail. I think <laughs> that color is often an overlooked um part sure. of storytelling and man can you do wild things with it in you animation sure. so I'm I'm glad that they didn't just again Clone Wars the show in that it kind of looks like a potato now is mostly just <laughs> because time goes on yeah. and things change and that's fine but I do really like that they're they're kind of pushing the boundary of like what you can do in 3D animation at this point and I really love it okay so that's I think all of my design corner which took up like <laughs> no that's okay a lot of times it was more like a design whole room design apartment I thought you were gonna say design hole a design hole that also works like just a sort of a big dark deep hole it's a well hi welcome to the design well <laughs> what can i get you <laughs> it's um, like a sad bar <laughs> um do we want to do predictions or going forward things that we're looking forward to sure um obviously we get a lot of setup in this 75 minute long episode holy shit yeah um and i am just very pleasantly surprised by how well things are cashed in and how frequently um i think that's again kind of a huge problem that i have with some other star wars Mm -hmm. i was like thinking the same thing i was like we don't have to get into it right now well we're not gonna get super into it but a lot of the time like they they will set things up and then just like either really poorly cash them in or like the story is not as hard-hitting as it could be yeah or don't cash them in at all in in lieu of you know, some fan service, some Marvel type fan service. Mm-hmm. Um, I won't name names, <laughs> uh, <laughs> my opinion. Um, but we absolutely don't see that in Bad Batch. It is a masterful uh, feat of storytelling. It feels like, I know it's dumb to say that it's intentional, but like, I mean, we kind of started this conversation about this episode with the same thought, but it is masterfully intentional in the things that we see and the things that are said right i guess it's apt to say that it's intentional throughout i feel like in some other things that we see um in star wars things are maybe start out intentional but they we don't see the follow-through yeah um that would make their stories very poignant and good um or at least better than they are um we we absolutely see so much follow-through here nothing is ignored um yeah, so we're gonna get more some more setup, um, but the 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 idea of these little breadcrumbs that they're leaving us do get cashed in. Yeah, and they very very organically lead to other important plot, um, in just such a satisfactory way. Yeah, that sounded like um satisfactory. I mean, I guess I meant satisfying. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, but like even like we were talking about with Crosshair, I like that they're they're asking questions, yeah. which I think is like maybe 
not a common surprisingly not a common thing to do in in shows all the time at least in pilots where it's like we're actually going to leave you questioning Mm -hmm. and i get that that's maybe like the understanding of like oh a pilot should like you know set up the rest of the series and it should like hook people and want people to you know to come back um i feel like it's never in this particular way when it comes to like these questions of like almost moral questions yeah quandaries i mean there's there's like plot setup there's like establishing characters for the next rest of the series um and then there's like just like hooking and i feel like a lot of shows um we were just watching another show the other day where they i felt that they you can name drop the show okay we were watching the wheel of time there you go um which is like turning out to be an okay show it's picked up since the first episode but it's got a wild pilot the wild again the pilot's not bad but at the end of the the whole point of a pilot show or a pilot um episode is to get you to want to watch the rest of the show and at the end of that pilot i was like you've confused me just enough and taken away any other like specific mysterious questions that i might have Mm. that would like prompt me to watch the rest of the show i mean the really the the biggest question at the end of that pilot is like what are they going to do now yeah um which is a fine question, but you didn't give me any like, oh, well, these two characters could, you know, um, be in a, in, yeah, a t- like in a tussle or hint of relationships or yeah, or, or like what are these characters going to do or like w- you didn't, I, I really wasn't impressed with the <laughs> <laughs> with the the mystery that they left yeah. uh, you with, and I feel like this is I think a, maybe I don't know that it's apt to say a lot, but I think a lot of pilots are very afraid to leave you on um just like big wild on a lot of specific like mystery questions yeah. but like that's like one of the things that keeps me coming back of like me personally i guess just to like bad batch um well to like all shows that are well done like this mm-hmm. where like it, it don't spoon feed your audience all of the information and then expect them to like just come back again like you want to yeah. you want to interest them um and I think the show, I mean, there is the question of like, well, what are they going to do now? But like, they, they do have that line at the end of like, well, we know a guy. Oh, who's this guy? Yeah, like, exactly. Truly, like, what are they going to do now is like the the umbrella. Yeah. But we have this specific, like, and who's, there's like who's their contact? I'm interested. A plan, yeah. essentially. You've made me interested in these characters. I want to see who their friends are. Yeah. And I think a, a lot of like uh, weight is carried on how charming these characters are. Not only do you have that, you have, um, okay, what's this drama between, like, Lamasu, Nalase, and and Tarkin? What are the Kaminoans going to do? Like, yeah, I'm strangely a, a, interested in again them. Again, with that little, little tiny scene at the end of this episode, it's like an entire world of questions opening up. Um, you know, okay, they, they worked on Crosshair's chip. Like, what's that mean for him? He's just lost his squad. Is he going to get another one? Um, is he going to get punished for letting them get away? Like, it, it, you have all these, like dominoes that you're setting up um that you want to see them fall now yeah um there is genuine interest yeah like yeah it 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 essentially like and you know wheel time is whatever but like it carries so much on the backs of like you've given us 
interesting faceted characters that we want to learn more about you've given us a goal of like okay what are we going to do next we have an idea instead of just being like i don't know we'll figure it out um i mean like it's not exactly fair wheel of time but like you know it, it it bad batch does such an incredible thing with how it leaves off and like this 75 minute episode which is incredibly purposeful in how long it is right and how much it sets up and where it leaves off and what like inciting actions we see and like all of these like catalytic effects that bring us through like an entire season and you know now an entire show going to be an entire show yeah. um it's just like i don't know it's it's enticing i i want to know more like it's I'm, just, imme- I'm hooked i'm yeah. hooked i want to watch the next episode absolutely which is like what i when i did when these came out is that i forgot about it and then i just watched like eight episodes in a row <laughs> because i was just like i have to know yeah. more like it has a really uh, incredible effect uh, of that to just like keep keep you wanting more because the story just you know it just keeps going and i think it's maybe a little bit different than we've seen in a star wars show for sure at least in a star wars animated show um yeah i just i'm so i'm excited (laughs) i love we're uh, gonna see where they uh who their friend is in the next episode yeah um their mysterious contact their mysterious contact okay so that is all for our long long two-part first episode thank you so much for listening We'll be publishing episodes every Tuesday and Thursday, so join us next time for episode two, Cut and Run. You can find us on Spotify and iTunes and also on Instagram and Twitter at The Batch Pod. So if you like story and you like Star Wars, then tune in for the next episode of The Good, The Bad, and The Batch. Bye! Bye.